Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Well, welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Executive Director of Small Groups at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, as pastors and ministry team leaders, most of us would agree that leadership is hard. It often requires wrestling with difficult challenges, diving into messy relationships, and taking risks and making hard decisions without knowing if it will actually have the impact we want. Underlying all the stuff that we do as leaders is this role we have of influencing and developing others, and the impact that we have on those around us is part of our calling, and that's really the mark we leave uh, for the sake of God's kingdom. So it's really important that we become the best leaders we can possibly be. So how do we do that? How do we know... Um, what we need to do to lead with all that we are and all aspects of who we are and how do we leverage that, how God has wired us to influence people um, for Him and towards Him. And so today we're going to explore these big leadership questions uh, with our guest, Jenny Ketron. And Jenny, thank you so much for being on Group Talk. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Well, it's such an honor for me to interview Jenny today because I have been a fan of her work and her ministry for many years. Um, There are very few women who have served as executive leaders for large, influential, impactful churches. And so she, especially at a young age, I think when you were doing that over at Crosspoint um, in Nashville, you were probably, what, in your late 20s? Late 20s when I started at Crosspoint, it's kind of crazy to say, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? But, you know, we just, you jumped in and did whatever it takes to, to, to lead ministry and lead a fast-growing church. So it was, it was an honor. Yeah, and along that process, Jenny's written several things. Um, she is a writer, a speaker, and leadership coach, and she consults with churches and nonprofits to help them lead from their extraordinary best. And she has a passion to lead well and to inspire, equip, and encourage others to do the same. She served um, as the executive leader at both Menlo Park Church in Menlo, California, with Senior Pastor John Orberg, of course, and the Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee, with Senior Pastor Pete Wilson. Um, so we've been in two huge churches. Jenny's also the author of several books. I don't know when you had time to do that. <laughs> you must not sleep. Um, in, in, yeah. Including Clout, uh, which is excellent, Discover and Unleash Your God-Given Influence. And then more recently, and the topic for our conversation today, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. And so for our, you know this book, I picked up um, before I ever knew I was going to be talking with you about it earlier this year, and I really liked your definition of extraordinary leadership. So maybe, let's start there. What differentiates someone from being ordinary versus extraordinary? Yeah, that's so good. And I think, you know, the passion for leadership for me was really birthed from this idea that as I got into places of influence and leadership, I began to realize just how big a deal leadership is. It's not just titles and authority. It's really earning influence with people. And influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. And when you kind of live with that definition a minute and you recognize, wow, we have the power to change or affect the lives of the people that we lead day in and day out. 
And that's a real, that's a sacred responsibility. You know, I think it was in kind of my early twenties and my first, I worked in the music business before I went into ministry full time. And, you know, one of my first opportunities to lead another staff person, I handled really, really poorly. <laughs> and I mean, and I could tell you all this story, but I just, I, I just started being a dictator and wanted this employee mm-hmm. to do everything the way that I thought she should do it. And I, you know, I was just kind of modeling what I thought a boss looked like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it just hit me. I actually had a mentor say, Jenny, if you want to work with people, you know, you need to learn how to love them and how to lead them, not think of them as like widgets or part of your grand plan <laughs> to conquer the world. You know, like, you know, it's people aren't there for our good. We're there for their good. We're there to help them succeed and them thrive and them use their gifts to accomplish the things that God has called us to. And when I began to shift that paradigm of leadership, I just recognized, you know, I've seen a lot of examples of really ordinary leaders, you know, and I think we all could like probably name, sure. you know, people around us or people who have influenced us and not necessarily always very good. And then we can look at, you know, if I ask people, hey, tell me somebody who's influenced your life in a significant way. Typically, everybody can tell me somebody right off the bat. You know, it's like, and it's often a grandparent or aunt or uncle, or it could be a boss, or it could be somebody at their church. It could be their small group leader. You know, it's like somebody who just was intentional in a moment. And that's, to me, what extraordinary leadership starts to look like. And obviously, in the book, I give more framework to it. But I think that difference between ordinary and extraordinary is ordinary is just kind of you're doing the thing and with not a great recognition or an understanding of really the power of your influence on the people around you. And I think extraordinary leaders begin to understand how sacred that influence really is. That's really good. I mean, it's one piece that comes out of what you just said is really about intentionality, right? So if we embrace that, that we've been given this, I think you call in the book the sacred trust um, to do this for the good of yeah. others, and that actually does change our lens completely on our day-to-day jobs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and I think a lot about, you know, the your community of small group, you know, leaders and directors and, you know, people leading um, small groups and uh, throughout churches. It's like, the power of influence that happens in those communities, you know, the way people's lives are changed and affected by by the people who serve in those different leadership roles sure. is absolutely remarkable. And when we catch a glimpse of that, the it, it, it just it can change the trajectory for, you know, for the people that we impact every day. That's so inspiring. All right. So let's dive into these four dimensions of leadership that you identify in your book. Um, would you be, give us a brief summary and then maybe the upside and downside that we could talk about for each one? Sure, sure, sure. So the way that the book is framed up um, is around the four dimensions, which are heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, most of us are going to recognize that as, you know, coming from the great commandment, Mark chapter 12, you know, Jesus is, you know, getting hit with questions about taxes and the resurrection. And then they (laughs) say, hey, what's, you know, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus replies with love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And um, so, you know, ultimately, that's kind of where this is rooted. Where it came from for me was a recognition I started to really wrestle with as a leader that um, I needed to 
be intentional about being relational and connecting with people. I needed to be more mindful of how I was spiritually um, guiding conversation and, and investing in the lives of the people around me. I needed to be strategic and have, you know, and have a plan for what we were doing and how we were going to get things accomplished. And I needed to remember to have vision and remind people of where we were going and why were we, we were going there. So those became four things that I kind of framed my leadership around in the early days. And and then I, I was kind of reading throughout scripture and studying, you know, different um, stories of the Bible of like leaders, just trying to help get a framework for what is healthy, God honoring leadership really look like. And I go to that great commandment and I'm like, here, you know, and, and, and I just got curious because I was like, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, that feels like, I mean, that's all these things that I've been kind of stumbling upon sure. as a leader, that's really essential for leadership. And here it is in the great commandment, like the great commandment. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just kind of find that, found that humorous. And I began to study that and the implication, you know, Jesus could have just said, love the Lord, your God. Like, that's the command. Love, mm-hmm. love God. Like that's really the command. And yet he clarifies with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And when you, when you read a little bit more about the great commandment, you discover that the reason Jesus says the implication behind why he clarified with those four things is he's saying that that is your whole being. That is yes. all of who you are. Your whole being is heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so he's saying, love God with all, with all of who you are. And then, of course, the second commandment is love others, and, and the same can be applied there. And so love others with all of who we are. And if leadership is influence, and influence really is, is earned through um, loving and serving people well, then if we love people with all of who we are, it stands to reason that leadership should include heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's very and, comprehensive, yes. Yeah, you know, and it, I think what it, what it, what it, I think the conviction for me in it was that, you know, as a, uh, just naturally how I'm wired, I'm very strategic. I'm very much a planner. I used to say I put feet to vision, like that's what I do. And, uh, so, you know, in that mind quadrant, which I say is kind of the strategy system structure part of, of us, uh, I do that really, really well. But in the early days of my leadership, I did all of that, and I didn't really have a lot of relational connection with my team. Like, I wasn't as naturally just really good at building relationships and getting to know people and, sure. you know, and just, you know, just building, having that heart in, in my leadership. And so why this, this framework became so important to me as a leader is that I, I kind of, I felt like God was saying, hey, but it's in you. Like, you don't have to just be the strategic leader. Like, I actually have created you to be a relational leader and a spiritual leader and a strategic leader and a visionary leader. Like, all of those elements are within you. And so, it, to bring your best leadership, to bring extraordinary leadership, means to bring all four of those dimensions to the people that you lead. So, you think everybody has all four of these dimensions? Obviously, we lean more towards one um, than the other, but what you're saying is the potential to develop yeah. all four um, is in everyone. Yeah, that, and that's my deep conviction. I believe that 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 passage shows that God has put elements of all four of those things in all of us. Um, now, just like you said, all of us are going to be strong in one or two of them more than all, you know, and not all four of them. And that's part of God's perfecting work in us, right? <laughs> Philippians 1, 6, that, right. you know, he's perfecting us until the day of Christ Jesus. So, you know, I'm really strong in mind and strength, the strategy and vision. 
I mean, I can do those things all day long. I have to really lean into developing that heart and soul in my leadership and recognizing the value that those things are to my, my team. And so, I, and that's, that's the encouragement that I give to other leaders when I'm talking about this, this framework, these four dimensions is to say, yes, you're going to be naturally strong in one or, or two of these. A lot of ministry leaders are strong in heart and soul, which is a good thing, right? You know, it's like <laughs> you love people and you love God. And so you're committed to helping, you know, um, committed to leading in those dimensions, which is really, really great. But we've all been a part of ministries where we, our relationships were strong and we were, you know, spiritually just, you know, healthy, but we didn't really have a great vision or a strategy for moving forward, right, you know? Right. And, and then we've also been a part of things where it was all strategy and vision, but it lacked a little heart and soul. Yes. And, so I just encourage people, I, I deeply believe that God's design, God's desire for us is to grow in all four of the dimensions and at a minimum to have an awareness of the value of all four. Because, you know, practically how this pr- plays out for me is I know that I'm not as strong in heart leadership. So I need to put leaders around me who are strong in heart mm. because then together we complement one another. We lead better with to the teams around us. Sure. And so it just gives you a little bit of an idea of I, I think God has designed us to be uh, to lead from all four dimensions, but it's going to be part of our ongoing growth as leaders. Well, I'm feeling much better about myself right now because I took the assessment that was in the book oh, and, good. and being a recovering perfectionist, I like wanted all of them to be strong. Um, and right, I'm feeling right. better right now, Jenny, because actually I am strong in the same two you are and we can, oh, <laughs> which kind of makes sense because we both came out of the marketplace. Um, Yes, and yeah. I obviously, as a lawyer, the mind piece is is way hard, higher for me. The heart piece is is tougher. Um, I don't necessarily, um, I'm not as sensitive sensitive to what people are doing. I don't think first of you know how do I care for them. I'm thinking more of how do I get this done. Um, so that's right. a journey that God's had me on to to soften and to just be aware and to value that. Um, and yeah. of course, you think obviously soul should be strong because you know we're we're in church ministry, so. Everyone yeah. should be strong in soul. And then in the book, you do a great job of not um, judging people for what they're strong and weak in. Um, and you yeah. point out, actually, that there's different pluses and minuses. So, like, let's run through that real quick. So, if, um, if someone does the assessment and, they're really, and their number one ends up being their mind. Um, so, the yeah. strength of that we've talked about is the strategy operational piece. What's the potential downside? The potential downside is that we just run people over. You know, when you're really yes, strong you're, in mind, you're a driver. You're a driver. Yeah. And, you know, and, and people feel used or abused. They feel like they don't matter. They don't feel like they're seen. And so often I will tell people, you know, that are strong in mind, like you and I are, I will say, Hey, just slow down to see people, right. you know, slow down to see people and recognize their strengths, gifts, fears, hurts, tragedies, joys, like see what's going on in people's lives. Because as you connect with them, you can help lead them. But right. if we're not if we're not intentional to see what's happening with the people around us, you know, it, it we just, we, we're going to cause more harm than we are good. Yeah. And I think yeah. for those of us that are strong in that dimension, that the mind, which is all strategy and systems and driving things forward, we just have to be careful, careful that we don't run people over in that process. That's a good caution. Okay. And then for the strength, this is the visionary leader, right? Yeah. Um, so that's always really kind of exciting. They're usually the more charismatic and they have pain, beautiful pictures of the future. Okay. What's the downside? Yeah. 
Yes, yes. And the, the, the visionary people are fun people to be around. Yes. The reality is that they can get disconnected from everybody else because you're such a big visionary and everything seems like a possibility. And mm-hmm. so, and it seems simple. And what I often see happen with people who are great visionaries is that they don't realize what it realistically will take people to get the, the that right. d- dream done. And so they unintentionally also kind of um, uh, discourage people because they they just see these big ideas and they think this stuff just magically appears and the people <laughs> who have to do all the work are going, ah, you yes. know, we can't get this done. You're making us crazy. Or, you know, oftentimes a visionary will, will have a number of different new ideas all the time. Right. You know? like Fatigue. People, and I've I have a bit of this in me too, or the strength side, the vision side is my second highest one. And so I have to be careful of this because I'll have a new idea and a new initiative that I want to run with. And, you know, I can leave my team frustrated because they're like, but do you realize how long that's going to take? Or I always Mm -hmm. think things can get finished quicker than they actually can because I just, I'm so eager to keep moving on. So the visionary has to just manage that of recognizing you know, and, and I think this is where even the visionary can really engage the spiritual side of leadership, the soul mm-hmm. side, in that they really pause to discern timing, pacing, is this idea a right. vision that God's really given me, or is it, you know, the pizza I ate last night? Or, you know, <laughs> like, so I think visionary leaders just have to recognize that they're always going to be running way ahead of the rest of the pack. And so they need to just be mindful of that and recognize that they need to make sure they're not exhausting people, really, at the end of the day. Right, that's good. Um, And then the heart people, they're the people who are always concerned about how others are being impacted. So they're the sensitive ones, right, on a team? Yeah, Um, yep. And they're the feel good, caring. They're the ones doing the birthday cards and the parties and the and all of that stuff. Um, which even just by my tone, you can tell I'm not really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like all that fluffy stuff. All that right? fluffy stuff. We have someone on our team that takes care of that because I'm like I just don't. I'm just not into that. Um, but I do yeah. value. I do value it. So the downside of of the heart person, someone that leads with that as their predominant strength. Um, what's yeah. the downside of that? Yeah, you know, and it's like, and I, I've really learned to value the heart people because I realize how poor I am at it, you know, and so it's like, I'm so grateful that somebody's making sure I don't forget, you know, somebody else's birthday. Here was my, here was my dilemma. So I had my assistant who was really strong in heart who would do all that stuff, but then I would miss her birthday or the, you know, because <laughs> there was nobody to help me make sure I actually remembered her birthday. Um, so perfect. So yeah. So, but yeah, so here's the downside to the person who's really strong in heart is that they, they can have a tendency to be a people pleaser mm-hmm. because they're so in tune to what's going on with people. They care so deeply about people and they're relationally just very sensitive to the dynamics that they can become a bit of a people pleaser. Um, they also can have difficulty holding people accountable. So especially when you're in a leadership situation, that person who is really relational, everybody feels like their best friend. Everybody yes. feels comfortable talking to them, but it's quite difficult for them to have the hard conversation when a hard conversation is necessary. It's hard for them to hold their team accountable or do, you know, just check-ins on, are they getting stuff done? Are they, are they, you know, are they being accountable to, you know, whatever, right. you know, is, on, is their responsibility. And so that's the danger for the person who's really strong in heart is that they have to develop a little bit of that 
that mind, that system process structure that helps them be hold people accountable um, so that you get the balance of those things. That's good. Um, and then finally, the soul piece is the spiritual component, right? So yeah. um, it's the prayer life. And it's, I think for me, um, in shepherding small group leaders, it's a lot about paying attention to what God's doing in them um, yes. apart from what uh, we need from them. And yes. and then prioritizing that above um, necessarily, you know, what the task requires. I think that's been a discipline for me to go, okay, seems like God's doing something different and maybe you need to step off leadership for, you know, for a bit, which is really hard to do because we really yeah. need the volunteers. So, yeah. <laughs> so the, um, so the soul side, I think just pays attention to people's uh, work, what God's doing in them. Um, what's, what, is there any downside to being a soulish leader? Cause that all sounds really good, right? <laughs> Right. I know this is the hardest one. I'll often when I'm working with, you know, a team uh, and we're, we're talking about this, I'll have them divide up and talk about the pros and cons for each dimension. And when I have the team do the pros and cons of the, of leading from soul, they're like, are there any cons? <laughs> exactly. This, this sounds really good. This is spiritual leadership. This is like, you know, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this is Jesus. This is being formed like Christ. Like, um, but so, so there are not that many, but here's what I would say is that sometimes the person who has that very keen that, you know, uh, just like the, that spiritual formation attend, uh, like that's kind of their, their core. They're real intentional about, you know, just how the organization is doing, how the team is doing, our how's the spiritual life for themselves, for their team. And all of those things are really good. What can happen sometimes is they can, those can become platitudes of like, I'm praying for you or I'm, you know, and, and then they don't always follow up on that. That mm-hmm. can actually be really discouraging to a team. If, if you're quick to say, Hey, I'm praying for you, but then you actually don't, right. that can be, you know, so there's, there's a subtlety of a, of a danger of somebody who is so conditioned to think that way, but then doesn't always follow through on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it can have a real negative impact for people. Um, the other side of that is the, um, sometimes we can, somebody who's really strong in the spiritual dimension of leadership and soul is going to pray about things so much, but never take <laughs> action on them. You know, like, so I, I have to say this really gently because I don't find, you know, here's what's ironic. When I do this with churches, rarely, usually the soul, those who are strongest in soul are the smallest group, which mm. everybody's like, That's Oh my gosh, this is a church. Shouldn't, <laughs> you know, should soul be the strongest for all of us? And I actually think it's, it's always like a good eye-opening thing to say. Sometimes we get so busy doing ministry mm. that we forget to minister to one another. And so I think, I think rarely do I see, um, this overused, right? I mean, (laughs) but, but there can be a danger sometimes of that if we, you know, we, we will be praying about something for so long that we might not actually take action on it. And so that can show up sometimes. So there's not a lot of dark side of this one, but. (laughs) There's a couple things to pay attention to. Yeah, and to. the one that popped into my head, Jenny, was um, sometimes there's people who have a tendency to over-spiritualize something. Um, yes. And yeah. because they put a lot of Christianese and spiritual things next to it, it's harder to yes. counter it. Um, it almost becomes like if you're in a committee with someone like this, it almost becomes a, a stopper. Um, well, you can't yes. move forward because 
you know, that decision has such spiritual implication. But if it's the color of the carpet, really, there's not a huge spiritual implication for it. But that, of course, yeah. is my bias towards process. So I'm like, is this really <laughs> a spiritual decision or not? I mean, certainly for ones that are spiritually impactful, um, we do need to pause and, and seek the Lord and spend time in that. But sometimes I think it's it becomes a default that is unhelpful in moving the mission forward. Um, yeah. So I, I think... This is really helpful. I think what um, I'm hearing you say is that it's good to value all four of these and to be aware of what you are and where your strength and your weaknesses are. Um, but yeah. I'm wondering, too, like we talked briefly about um, teams and how teams carry different pieces of these. And if you yeah. have a weakness, then it's good to have somebody else on the team that's stronger. Um, do you think that's the role of community in leadership that... that um, I find that if I'm working on a team that is strong in something, even if it's something I'm strong in, I tend to see what the weakness is and I try to shore those up. Um, yeah. I don't even do all that consciously. Um, so yeah. if there's no leader, I will lead. But if there is a leader that's good, then I don't need to lead. Like if someone's right. bringing the soul piece, I don't have to do that. But if I feel like we've made a lot of decisions and there's been not a lot of spiritual input in it, then I will bring that even though that's a weaker thing. Like, do you think, sure. you, is that, am I weird or is this kind of typical? <laughs> no, actually it, you're not weird at all. Um, it, it's somewhat typical, but I think what I love about that, Carolyn, is that you actually see when there's a gap, which mm-hmm. is great because I think a lot of leaders would lead just from their dimension and not be aware when the when a dimension is missing. And so, you know, you're picking up on, oh, somebody needs to take the lead here or, oh, somebody needs to kind of take the spiritual leadership on this conversation and you're stepping into it. So what I love about what you're saying, and this is really kind of the heart of this for me, is that I think as leaders, we need to be aware of all four of the dimensions, knowing which one we're strongest in. And, and you know, I'm really strong in mind. I'm somebody who can build plans and strategies and put processes in place and help us move mission forward. So I know that when I walk into a room and with a team, that that's one of the best gifts I can bring the team is that dimension. Now, I need to be sensitive and aware enough of the the need for heart, soul, and strength. Sure. And I need to value those in the other team members. And so I love what you're saying, too, is that you, when you recognize a gap, you help bring that to the table, which is awesome. Because I think, you know, we want to we wanna play into that strength because some of our personality, some of the gifts that God has given us are wiring. Like, for example, you know, my spiritual gifts are leadership, administration, and knowledge. Well, no wonder mind shows up as the strongest <laughs> for me, right? So it's not, you know, I do think that's a lot of the way that God has designed me, but I, I think he, he also wants me to grow and be aware of relational leadership, spiritual leader, visionary leadership, sure. and, and, and help grow and bring those. And the more that I surround myself with people who have those, the more I see myself growing in it. So it's, it's not a, oh, just focus on your strengths and don't worry about the other ones. It's a, yes, bring your strength, bring the one you're strongest in, and then continue to be aware of the need for the other three and whether the other teammates bring that or whether you can bring an element of it. Like, make sure that as a team, all the four of them show up, because that's where I think extraordinary leadership emerges. I think that's when we see some of our healthiest leaders and our healthiest churches is when all four dimensions are a part of the, of the conversation. In your consulting work, have you noticed that um, certain churches have a higher priority or higher value on, on one of the dimensions? Um, and I wonder if that then makes us... Um, 
you know, if you have happened to have that one, great. And you'll probably get promoted and you'll just be totally in sync with senior leadership. But say yep. your church is highly driven culture. Um, I would guess they would probably really value the visionary and the strategic perhaps. Um, it just seems mm-hmm. like, well, how does that context play into, into it? Do we just bring forth the best of who we are regardless of what context we're in? Or do we shape some of our leadership dimension to fit um, what our uh-huh. context is valuing the most? Such a good question. And this is probably one of my burning passions for the church right now. And the church, the big C church is that I think we see, I I often see when I'm working with churches, I often see either churches that are really strong in mind and strength. So they have that, the overarching strategy and vision like down, like they are, you know, and so some of our, you see this a lot in a lot of our biggest churches, because obviously they've had big visions and they've put great plans behind those and like made it happen. Um, Conversely, I'll see a lot of churches that are strong in heart and soul. You know, it's like they've got great community, a commitment to spiritual formation and disciple but they often might be a little stagnant in growth or Mm -hmm. forward movement. And so I often see churches, and I put those in four quadrants, and like the top half of those quadrants is heart and soul, and the bottom half of those quadrants is mind and strength. And so I'll either see churches really strong in heart and soul, or I'll see them really strong in mind and strength. And I'm guessing it reflects the senior leader. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what I was about to say, is it usually reflects the senior leader, And what I do see is the churches that I see the best representation of all of them are usually senior leaders who have put uh, other leaders around them that bring the other side of the other dimensions. Um, But it's rare, you know, typically, and we see this all the time and it's our nature as humans is that we bring people around us who are like us. Mm -hmm. And so, and what grieves me is that I think our churches are, are we, I think some of the dysfunction and the unhealth that we see in our churches is sometimes because we're lopsided. We are strong in two of those dimensions and not in all four of those dimensions. And as a result, you know, we might have great heart and soul and culture, you know, culture and community, but we're not really moving forward with mission, you know? And so we're not seeing people come to faith. We're not really living out that great commission. Or you see churches that have that vision and strategy down to a science and they are building great big infrastructures but they're often criticized for lacking heart and soul, mm. right? Right, right. And so I, I just, I deeply believe that our greatest leaders, our greatest churches are going to emerge when we have uh, we have churches that really bring all four of those things are at the leadership table because everything rises and falls on leadership. Yes. It becomes a reflection of that senior leadership. And so if senior leaders could really be wise to make sure that their teams represent all four of those dimensions, um, I think, I just think that's when we're going to see um, God's spirit just unleashed on our church. And not that it hasn't been, but I just think we would see it even more fully. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I completely agree. And um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting thought, actually. Um, I think it actually lends itself to, to leading more with teams, which actually a lot of small group yeah. ministries do, because um, you do leverage the strengths. Um, I can't believe how quickly time has gone by, but I wanted to ask you this, um, and we can run a little bit over, and we ask your patience in listening. One of the most compelling parts of this book um, is about 35 pages in, and you um, ha- it's within this chapter called Leading from Within, and it's a section that I think was also an article um, in one of the blogs. Um, it's a section titled Tough Truths About Self-Leadership. And mm-hmm. I thought this was such a great wake-up call for us um, as leaders and, and a great place for us to close out this conversation. This line just like came in between the eyes when I read it. It says, no one cares more 
about your personal development than you do. And here's, yeah. here's the real doozy. No one else is responsible for your leadership development. And it, it's so easy for us to go, gosh, I wish, you know, so-and-so was investing in me more in my leadership. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I wish this was different about our team or whatever. And it, the woe is me and all of that. Or why am I not getting opportunities to develop these other areas um, that, yeah. that I'm gifted in? And you also say, you know, you can't wait for someone else to lead you and no one else owes you that. And it's like, Okay, Jenny, these are, these are all true, but they're hard, right. to, hard to hear. And I, I just wanted to ask you what, totally. what prompted this section? Cause it just so resonated. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it's like, when I write that section, people always like, are like, they kind of cringe. cringe. <laughs> so like, oh, come on. Um, but, you know, I, I think what it is, is I'm saying, you know, leaders, we've got to lead ourselves well. We've got to take responsibility for, you know, again, that sacred work of leadership means that we have the power to change or affect the lives of the people that we lead. Like, that is a big deal. And we want to steward that well. We want to, you know, be intentional about pouring into developing and helping others be the absolute best they can be. And let's, even though no one else cares about this or is maybe doing this for us, could we do this for others? You know, could we do this for others? And, and so rather than sit or whine or be frustrated that maybe I didn't have a mentor who invested in me in the way that I really wish someone had, or, you know, or I just didn't have the leadership infrastructure at the church that I was a part of, like this other church does, or, you know, we get into the comparison game, don't we? And, and so it's me just saying leaders, just take responsibility. You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Galatians 6. Um, and uh, the last phrase of, of uh, verse 5 is, take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. And that's mm-hmm. the message translation. But that take responsibility thing is like, you know what? God has given us this life to steward. Like, He has put it into right. our hands. And so, it's our responsibility. You know, like we can't point fingers or blame or be frustrated that somebody didn't help us. Like there are so many resources at our disposal. I mean, the great thing is you've got, uh, you know, thousands of listeners who are listening to the podcast because they are, they have looked at these tough truths in the face and said, okay, I'm going to take advantages, yes. advantage of resources that are out there to help me grow. And so that's just exactly it. There are so many resources at our fingertips these days. You can be mentored from, you know, leaders from afar. I always say that I have mentors that have never met me, but because <laughs> of the resources they create, you know, they are pouring into my life day in and day out, you know, um, because I'm, I'm soaking up some of the wisdom and things that, that they've, they've put in written form or in podcast form or whatever form. So just, I think leaders just recognizing, you know what, this is your one and only life. Don't wait for somebody else to, you know, to, to, to pour into you and, and all of those things really seek out what is God asking you to do with it. And then just take responsibility for developing the, the, the leadership gifts that he's given you because he will, he's so faithful in that. Oh, that's such a good word, Jenny. And you've certainly stewarded your leadership gifts very well in mentoring and um, putting stuff out there for us and these resources. Um, so if you don't read anything else in this book, I really recommend reading that that particular one because it, it really was a great thing to wrestle with the Lord over. Um, so thank you so much for your time, Jenny. I really appreciate it. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you so much, Carolyn. It was such an honor to be with you guys and 
um, so grateful for what everyone does and just leading in the local church. So thank you guys. Well, I highly recommend Jenny's book, Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. You can get that on um, Amazon or anywhere else. This is a great book actually to read with your team and discuss together. And you could even figure out which of the four dimensions you are and have a fun conversation around that and help you understand each other better and what strengths you bring to the table. Um, you can connect with Jenny on Twitter or Instagram at Jenny Ketron. And also her website, JennyKetron.com. And she blogs pretty regularly. Um, and so you can get more resources from her and read from that. And she also has a consulting website, GetNumber4Site.com. Uh, and you can connect her with her if you're interested in having her um, come and help your team out. So um, thank you for listening to Group Talk. If you like what you hear, um, I invite you to take a minute and leave us a positive rating and a brief review on iTunes because that helps other small group ministry leaders find us. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.